afternoon, good evening, good day. Welcome back to another episode of RC Stuff. As always, I am Charlie Sawanka here with Mr. Mike Chen. Mr. Chen, good afternoon, sir. How are you today? Hello. I'm good. I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> just, it's got a lot on my plate. <laughs> it's just, it's been a busy few weeks here in the service department dealing with lots of fun stuff. Um, Mike's getting ready to go to, uh, drone, the multi GP, multi. uh, yep. champs, as well as the hobby wing winter nationals that are happening, uh, in temple, Texas, a little later on this year in December. Uh, on top of all of that, we have had a couple little, I guess you'd say quirks with some firmware stuff we're going to talk about. Uh, we want to remind everybody about our ambassador program. I was at ProLine by the Fire, so I have a couple of thanks to give everybody. We also, as always, have our weekly winner here on RC Stuff, where we give away free RC Stuff each and every episode. That may be Ooh. why you tuned in right now, but we shall see. Uh, and I also want to talk a little bit about some calibration and servo testing topics, as well as some other hot topics in the rock crawling FOC segment that we been helping a lot of people with in service departments. So I think if we, you know, put it out there on the podcast, it'll it'll spread the word a little bit more. So Mr. Chen will be going to uh, Texas for the Hobby Wing Winter Nationals. I'm 99.9% sure we're in the final stages of getting anything finalized. And if you've listened to the podcast before, we've mentioned the Hobby Wing Winter Nationals. And it'll be Mike's first chance to go out and run with the, the Sky Ready RC guys and all of the Texas locals. Last year, I think LeMond and um, NM Crower and a handful of the, the Texas Fast guys were all out there as well. So um, should be a good time for Mike. Uh, did you look up uh, lots of fun places to eat in Temple, Texas yet? I have not, actually. Because there is. Kind of hoping. Oh, oh, oh go ahead. there is. No, I was going to say, you, you, you got something for me? Cause... There's a there's a bunch of good barbecue places because it's Texas, but we went to, I forget what that was. They, they recommended something. I can't remember the name of it, but Lucas and the Sky Ready folks will definitely point you in the right direction. Um, that is going to be December 2nd and 3rd. It is the first weekend of December. It's I think it's the same time that I will be at the IOCC, the International Off-Road Carpet Championships. They'll be happening in uh, just outside of Cleveland in Independence, Ohio. Um, next thing that I wanted to mention was Proline by the fire. I got back from that, had a fantastic few days in the desert. And I want to say two or three folks came up to the, the booth, introduced themselves to me. And I think one guy was Mark. One guy was Steve. I apologize for not writing your guys' names down. I feel awful for, for not making better notes, but it was windy and I wasn't, it was a busy day. Let's just say that. And, uh, those guys all came over, said wonderful, nice things, and that was great. I got to hang out with Becca Clay and Todd, who were my my. They were across the street from me camping, and they made the mistake of having a fire on late at night as I was wandering back to camp. And if your fire is ever on, uh, you're camping, you may get a visit from me because that's like an open invite for somebody to come over and hang out. So I made friends with Becca Clay and Todd, and actually got to go out and run trail with them a little bit uh, the next night. So it was cool to meet those guys. They have a a cool little YouTube channel. They live in Utah and they have some videos of them crawling around. It's called cups on trucks. And uh, I watched a couple of their videos, super fun group of folks that really love RC They They had one of those trailers that was made out of a truck bed. When they take the truck bed and you turn it into a trailer and it was like a 1973 C10 truck beds it matches average truck is pretty cool. So 
thought that was neat. And then something that I, I think that I should always mention when I, when I go to rock crawl events is to thank everybody that stopped by the booth and spent a little of their hard-earned cash with us. We had booth sales going on, and you guys kept me busy to the point that I didn't want to leave the booth. I hung out in the booth kind of all day long, and if I was there for a little while, somebody stopped by and pick up a Hobbywing item, get a sweet deal, as well as a free Hobbywing logo item. We were giving away uh, free shirts and hats. We debuted the new... Hobby Wing straw hat. If you did a purchase, you got a free hat while supplies lasted. And then we had uh, the rally towels, the lanyards, as well as the, the regular Hobby Wing shirts as well. So uh, met a ton of fun folks that were all looking to get a good deal and get some some vehicles upgraded on site. So um, if we ever go to events, we tend to try to bring equipment for sale as needed or stock up the on-site hobby shop so that we're not stepping on any toes. So by all means, if you guys got an event coming up and you need us to reach out to the on-site hobby shop send me an email and i will make sure that happens it's charlie at hobbywing.com you can get a hold of me directly for stuff like that that's an easy one um something that mike's moving on from by the fire and events something that mike started our conversation with was our ambassador program and it's something i think i forgot to mention last time so mike i talk a lot during our podcast and i feel like i'd like to give you an opportunity to break down the ambassador program for me please so the ambassador program is not just for the fastest guy or the 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 the, the best guy in the in that segment of uh, RC. The ambassador program is more so geared towards that person who really deserves a sponsorship because not just because like I said they're the fastest or whatever in that segment but because they're you know the most helpful. The guy who keeps everybody running, the guy who keeps everybody's smiles going during the event. Um, if you know somebody that's like that, send us an email with a story and a nomination of said person and, uh, a really good story behind it would be, would be good to hear. And then, uh, once we collect all the, uh, collect all this information, all these guys will start kind of filing through everything and then make a decision from there. Yeah, we've been receiving entries on a fairly regular basis, and that's actually why I felt terrible that I didn't mention it last episode. So um, send us their information via email, uh, rcstuff at hobbywing.com. Like Mike said, the more details you can provide, the better. I love reading about folks like that. And we're going to get to a stage where probably towards maybe the end of this year, towards December, we're going to do a recap of each of the entries that we got and kind of ask you guys to help us decide who gets to be uh, an ambassador and get the, the thank you box from Hobbywing as well as some other goodies. So uh, like I said, email is rcstuff at hobbywing.com. You know, that's the same email for Charlie, right? Mm, no, no, no. Should we tell him already? I think we can tell him how to enter. Okay, do it. Well, that's the same email. Sure, if you want to enter to win free RC stuff, send that email to rcstuff at hobbywing.com and make sure you include your name, your t-shirt size, your address, what kind of RC stuff you're into. Uh, type out your email address for Charlie's sake. Thank you. And then also, if you're, into, if you're looking to get into any other RC stuff, that's also a great opportunity for us to help you out there as well. Awesome. Uh, the the joke has always been type your email address out because when I process these things, if it's not like in there, I'm, I I just kind of cut and paste it into my form for the for the office to handle, and I kept forgetting the email address. So for like I don't know, ten weeks in a row, the poor guy at the office, Carlos, had to keep. Hey Charlie, what's the email address for this one? So that's why we asked you to type it in because I'm an idiot. 
We love you, Charlie. <laughs> uh on that same topic uh this is october this episode goes live october 5th oh by the way my birthday month all of october some people do birthdays some people do birthday weeks i do birthday month so you're gonna see a lot of uh fun activities on our social medias for me off going doing nonsense in the middle of the week so good luck good luck getting some tech support this week (laughs) no i'm kidding um but Towards the end of the year, um, for our normal sponsorship programs, this is our standard team driver uh, racers and stuff like that that we do for racetrack sponsorships. Gosh, how many times do I have to say it? That is each year, it, November through December, we do open enrollment where all current team drivers have to reapply to the team, and anybody who wants to get onto the hobby wing team can apply there as well. So it is a form that goes live on the website. Uh, we're hoping to have that up first part of November, uh, worst case scenario, middle November, and then get everything reviewed by middle of December so that we can have everybody welcome back to the team or new drivers onto the team uh, for the first part of January. So that'll start happening. We'll make an announcement on our blog. We make an announcement on all our social medias. It gets posted on hobbywingdirect.com, and we'll probably mention it here on the podcast as well because I feel like as long as I've worked at Hobbywing, we have done the team sponsorship stuff exactly this way through this form, and all of the current team has to reapply, and all the new guys that want to get on the team, they have to apply through the same process, but it continues to be a mystery. So... This is the way we do it each and every year. Don't forget to say. Uh, next up on my list is one that's near and dear to my heart. And it's a reason that I think that Mike and I have jobs is that folks have problems getting a speed control to calibrate. I want to ask Mike, what's, what's the number one thing we talk to with folks about setup? Calibration issues. Yeah. Almost he- every other ticket. <laughs> Either they get overlooked uh, or they have a problem doing the calibration is what I run into. Uh, Forgetting to do the calibration is a big thing. You hook it up, turn everything on, seems to work fine. Away you go, drive the vehicle, and you you don't even know that it's wrong in a lot of regards. So if you've never done the part where you take a speed control and let it learn your radio output or your throttle output more accurately, the neutral, uh, the throttle side, the brake and reverse side, uh, that needs to be done to about any speed control, even... Helicopters, airplanes, speed controls, boat speed controls, they all have a basic calibration process to learn the throttle output. And one thing that I get is, well, well if, if you don't do the calibration, why does it turn on and work? Part of the testing process of any electronic speed control that Hobbywing creates is that we calibrate it to make sure that it works before we put it in a box. And our testers that we calibrate with, generally, they're going to be in a similar range of operation as a normal RC car radio will be so that we can make sure they work in a normal car range. So your radio may be very close to what our testers are, so you get some basic functionality out of it before it works. Or so it does work without you know being set up completely, so. That, that one comes up a lot, so I like to say that one out loud. But the if you do run into any problems with calibration, Mike and I, we work at Hobbywing. We would have always going to tell you that there's no, probably nothing wrong with your brand-new Hobbywing speed control, and if it calibrated before, there's probably no reason that it shouldn't calibrate now. And the focus is going to be on figuring out what's making the speed control not calibrate. Number one thing, uh, batteries. You've got dead batteries. If the speed control is on a dead LiPo, it's not going to calibrate. The other one that is, I guess, even maybe even more common would be output from the radio. Either there's no throttle output from the throttle channel, and that means that your steering will work, 
but your throttle does not work. That can be related to a radio problem. On many of the Traxxas receivers, if you accidentally plug your speed control in backwards, which happens very easily when the wires are all black, you'll smoke the throttle channel. And some of the other receivers will do that, too. I think there's a FlySky receiver that does it. Maybe not. Um, but there are receivers that get damaged by plugging the, the speed control into the throttle channel backwards, and it only damages the throttle channel. Everything else will remain working when you power it correctly. That one catches people out a lot, and they think I'm crazy when I tell them that that's a possibility. Like, no, but the steering works. I'm like, yeah, you're right. The steering works. So we do something that I call the servo test. You use the servo to plug into the throttle channel, and then you can move the trigger back and forth and see if the servo moves. If the servo works in the steering channel and you put it in your throttle channel and it stops working, that means your throttle channel has a problem. And you can use that to check brake output, make sure the neutral's right, all that sort of stuff to, to just get a visual inspection on the output of your throttle. And a lot of times you'll find out it doesn't work at all. Or when you push the brakes, the servo doesn't move. And that'll make a speed control not complete the calibration process. So it'll set the neutral, it'll set the full throttle fine, and when you go to calibrate the brakes, it won't calibrate the brakes. And it can be because you accidentally turn the brakes down on your radio. On a pistol grip radio, when you hold it in your hand to drive the car, there's some buttons by your thumb. One of those buttons often controls the brake output of the radio. And as you hold the radio, you slowly turn the brake output down to the point that it stops working and then you can't calibrate it after that. Uh, so the servo test allows you to check that. You can push on the brake, push the button until it starts to go up, and you know away you go type of thing. You can then recalibrate, and everything goes back to how it's supposed to. Uh, the other one is is that the servo test allows you to see if your ABS on your radio is turned on, because a lot of radios default with ABS turned on for some reason. Or people monkey around with their screens and touch things on accident. I always say on accident, because you never change that stuff on purpose. Uh, and you'll get some the ABS active, and that makes a speed control not want to calibrate the reverse, or makes or not want to calibrate the brake side, not want to calibrate the reverse, makes the reverse not work, makes the brake not work, stuff like that. So uh, those are a couple very good reasons that I I I have my job because I knew about the servo test when I sat in my meeting and I got interviewed. I said, I take the servo and I plug it into the throttle channel. I move the throttle. I'm like, wow, you're hired. I'm like, all right, good deal. Not this job, the previous job. I got this job because of the previous job, working at Novax. <laughs> but that's uh, one of the big things I talk to people off the phone. We have videos on it. I just did a refresher on the Charlie show to show people this one because it's a big deal to me, and it can help a lot of folks troubleshoot stuff. If you work in a hobby shop and you didn't know about this, you do now, and you will be the savior of many hobbyists because you'll be able to fix stuff without really doing anything except pushing a couple buttons in the radio or troubleshooting a correct replacement type of deal. And, you know, another caveat of this one is because this goes kind of both ways. People are like, well, I replaced the receiver and the problem didn't go away. And it's because it's a radio setting. It's not the receiver that's causing the problem. It's actually the radio. So you got to kind of know what you're dealing with here and what might be happening. You can turn the throttle off. And in some of the radios, you can reassign the order of the channels, and it makes the trigger no longer be channel two. I, I didn't know that this was a thing, but it's a thing, apparently. So factory reset the radio often helps that. I run into a lot of situations where people have firmware updates to the radio. They tell us that we updated the firmware on the radio, and now everything works fine. So there's a lot of radio issues that are going to lead to your speed control looking like it's not working, and servo tests are a great way to help you figure that stuff out. Did I miss anything, Mike? Mm, nope. Looks like you got everything. <laughs> Mike's got a list that he checked to make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, so you think. 
<laughs> so think. And on that note, we move on to our next troubleshooting topic, which has been FOC stuff. Um, a lot of Fusion Pros getting installed, a lot of XR2s getting updated, a lot of systems getting moved from one vehicle to the next, and then something not working correctly. They'll go through the calibration fine. Uh, we, we covered all that already. But after that, the FOC system, and this is unique to XR2s, uh, Fusion SE, Fusion Pros, or even the older Fusions and the older Axes as well. And the motor won't run correctly. It'll either chatter, uh, it'll surge. Uh, sometimes it'll just sit there and kind of warm up on its own while you're not even driving it. These are all conditions that mean, mean that you need to do the automatic motor pairing process. And automatic motor pairing process, or what I call the AMP, is unique to FOC systems. It's not something that has to be done for any other censored system. And there's a reason behind it. I had a guy ask me why, so I'm going to tell you why. I'm like, well, you're allowed to ask why, and only if I know why, then you're allowed to ask why. But FOC systems are a closed-loop sensor system. Field orientation control is what FOC stands for. And freaking out, outstanding control, I think, is another one that's good for it. But there, it's a closed-loop system, so the sensors are informed of the location of the rotor in a different way than a standard sensored motor. It always knows where it is at all times, whereas in a regular sensored system, the rotor has to pass by the sensor. So this means that the sensor board has to be sort of calibrated to the radio or to the speed control itself, rather. So the speed control will output a designated RPM, and then it'll make the motor go at that RPM and adjust as needed so that the everything is, is working in sync with each other. It syncs the, the sensor board readings to the RPM output of the speed control. And this automatic motor pairing process has to be done with the motor under no load. Same guy that asked me why, asked me why it has to be done under no load. It's because the motor is being told to do a certain RPM. And if it's under load, it's going to affect the amount of power it takes for it to do that load. So the unloaded aspect of that makes sure that the motor is going to be able to be calibrated to the correct RPM. And that's going to match throughout the range. Because if you do it under load, as that load changes, the the demand on the motor changes the power offset from the speed control and the RPMs aren't going to match. You're going to run into problems. So automatic motor pairing has to be done with the pinion gear removed or at least disengaged. And it has to be done with the speed control unplugged from the receiver and all the rock crawler guys. I can hear you moaning and going, damn it. Cause it, so I, I run a receiver box myself and I really hate having to get in there to unplug my receiver to do automatic motor pairing. So I try to automatic motor pair any of my FOC systems as I take them out of the box for the most part, even before I calibrate them and all that stuff, because calibration won't affect it. It's generally you know, affected by either updates or brand new systems type of deal. So you do it once and then you're good to go. I have seen guys tell me that they move it from one truck to a next. And I feel like it gets dropped somewhere along the way, maybe, or there's more to what happened than it just getting moved from one truck to the next. And it, it, it starts to act weird. So the automatic motor pairing is the way to get around that. Now we've talked about this and I haven't even told you what to do. It's very easy. Unplug it from the receiver, take the pinion gear off, plug the battery in, press and hold the power button. Like you're going to uh, calibrate the speed control and just keep holding it down. It'll start to flash red uh, for calibration. Keep holding it down. It'll start to flash green. It takes maybe eight to 10 seconds. I think you let go of the button. And then the motor will start to run all by itself, depending on whether you have w which version of firmware is in your axe or whether you have an SE or a pro. The, the protocol is a little bit different on how it does its automatic motor pairing. 
and it'll ramp the motor up and down. Sometimes it'll run at the same speed. Sometimes it just ticks a couple turns, and you don't even really notice that it's moving. It, it's moving. Just you, Sometimes you can't really see it that well because it, it's going either so slow or it's happening so quickly type of deal. Um, if you ever see that it doesn't move at all, like you're definitely dead sure that it's not moving, just do it again and make sure. Like Look at it very closely because I have run into a couple that will not do automatic motor pairing due to some damage to the speed control, so that's, that's an indicator that there is an issue. You can do a service tag on those. Um, but once it's done running, it'll stop. And once it's stopped running, you wait five or ten seconds. You can power it off, power it back on, hook everything back up, and then it goes back to working like it's supposed to nine times out of ten. On a brand new install, if you're doing that automatic motor pairing before you do the install, don't forget to calibrate it before you go do any testing. Um, basically, with uh, an ins- any fresh install, whether it be an FOC or not, I like to do install, uh, calibration, bench testing, and then tuning as needed. With these crawler systems, you're going to put the automatic motor pairing in there before any of that. You can do it even before you install it because it's out of the vehicle. All you need to have is the battery. So. Um, it, a lot of times I've run into folks that try to do the tuning before they do the calibration or they do the tuning and they think that's the calibration because it's called programming. So it gets very, very confusing. So just some simple stuff to keep in mind on your fresh installs. Hmm. Um, oh, Mike reminded me about firmware updates on an Axe combo. You do a firmware update. The latest uh, update has been for the ultra, ultra low speed RPM like 10 rpm it can do now and it works with the ibus 2 protocol for fly sky radios there is one extra step that you may have to do after the update if you up do this update you do the calibration and for whatever reason it's not working correctly go into parameters and reset the profile as soon as you go into parameters and it brings up the next screen there's a reset button on that top row tap reset hit okay let it do the reset back out of there and do some more testing because that has been able to clear up most of the issues. I have never had to do that before. I've, I've done many, many updates, and I've never run into a situation where I have to reset the profile like that. So this is something that come up uh, recently as we were doing some tech support. So um, something to keep in mind if you're doing some Axe updates. We are you know, updating our tech articles on all of this as well, so that information will be more widespread. Um, did I forget anything? Mm, not that I know of. The real reason that you guys have all tuned in is this week's winner. All the way from my hotbed of RC action, which I've been finding. We get a lot of entries out there, so I appreciate that. From Olympia, Washington, Mr. Jonathan Deck. He's an RCer with kids, so I, I, I'm a big fan of RC dads that are out there doing RC with their kids. He's in racing. They have rock crawlers. So, uh, Mr. Deck, keep an eye on your email. We will be in touch very soon to contact you about your free RC stuff. Congratulations, sir. Woo! Um, Mr. Chen, do you have uh, anything else for us on all of this? I think uh, we've, we've come to the end of our lunch break long episode. Uh, Shames is still fast, and <laughs> Callie's pretty fast too. I think Callie, uh, I think Callie actually took a win over Shames uh, a weekend ago or so. Oh, jeez. Yeah. A lot of RC family. Sometimes once the kid beats the dad, they quit. Hope that doesn't happen. Nah, he found he found he found high definition video. Oh, that's fine. Right. That's right. Oh, we something we forgot to match. Mike was on DCL. Yes, I, I totally. We we hung up the, the recording last time. Mike, tell us about DCL, please. I I I feel bad that we I forgot to mention this already. Oh, so uh, yeah, no, the DCL is the Drone Champions League. They're kind of a European-based uh, drone racing simulator, 
and they've done some in the past done some you know, pre-covid they've done some really really awesome races where the the race literally goes up and over a skyscraper um and the, there's just big big gigantic dives the whole way down they just they race in some really cool locations so it, it's re- actually also real sorry. life the dcl was the first one to do big sponsored style drones that were larger unique builds that were to their spec they were the first guys to do the minimum weights that were big enough for cameras to follow and they got their races at amazing international collections carry on Yes. Uh, so actually one of the, <laughs> I got, I got a fun, cool story about that too. One of the locations they run at is uh, this, it's a uh, lax in Switzerland. Yeah. It's a ski yeah. resort. And the one, the one main building to the resort has all like this aluminum siding to it. And one of the pilots had crashed one of the drones into the side of the building, like just punched the hole straight through the aluminum. And the, the owner was like, Let's leave that there. It's really cool. <laughs> so apparently if you go to that ski resort in Switzerland, you'll see one of the DCL drones still sticking out of the side of the building. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, they had a draft. They hold usually a one, one to two drafts a year uh, for their, their, I guess what they're considering their professional team. And uh, I got an email and they asked me to join the wildcard team. I would like to say I would like to apologize because uh, one of the teams that one of the DCL teams that I was kind of racing for prior had asked me if I could join their team, but uh, I couldn't do it due to time constraints because there was a race I couldn't make and they needed somebody who could do both races, and uh, so I apologize to to Alpha Prop, Alpha Fam, sorry guys. <laughs> but they they're actually one of the first ones to ask me and then I couldn't I couldn't join their team because I just couldn't make the two races they needed the racer for and then uh they I got asked to join the wildcard team instead so the wildcard team is kind of interesting because it's uh it's just a mishmash of like different random pilots <laughs> there's like a, I think there's one guy that's in Poland another guy that's in Washington um and a few other people from around the world. It, it's it's a really interesting mishmash of people. It's it's perfect and for a wildcard team. Yeah. So I did my first race, which was excruciatingly long because uh, they're running in European time. So they're like, yeah, we're going to start. We'll start at 8 a.m. European time. And just uh, heads up, this is awesome based at the moment as well, which uh, 8 a.m. European time uh, is midnight for for me right <laughs> and it's like eight to eight to ten hours long is how long that 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 recording session goes for for the racing and they, so by the time that i actually got to race um because i tried to take a nap before i'm not a very good napper <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i don't i don't nap well so uh but by the time i actually got got to my part of the race it was like six in the morning for me so i'd i'd already been up for you know 36 40 hours at this point and they don't like and say I, you're gonna be up at this time it's like show starts now be sitting here ready to go the whole time that's that, that's yep. rough yeah so but got through it <laughs> the the video is live on uh youtube right now on the dcl youtube channel so if you want to see me look like a zombie just kind of staring at my screen it's uh it's there <laughs> I, I click through some of the the show and everybody looks they're pretty either uh very weird or super intimidating on their their pilot faces it's it funny 
extra focus, man. Totally. It's, it's all the focus. Cause like, you know, it's a matter of, it's incredible. Cause you go back and if you, if you go back and watch what everybody goes, Oh man, that, you know, you, you think you're, you think you're flying tight until you watch some of these real fast guys yeah. and you're like, it, it looks like they hit the gate. Mm. And it's incredible that they can they have that consistency to do it every single time. Right. And I mean, like, I never claim to be a very you know one of the fastest racers out there. I know I'm pretty fast, but I'm I know I'm I've still got a ways to go before I can really be considered a fast fast boy. <laughs> and just watching everybody fly is incredible. Like watching these these some of these top tier guys fly, it's it's absolutely mind blowing the consistency. And, and the, the just, yeah, the repetition that they can do over and over of literally being like three pixels away from the freaking gate. So I got my work cut out for me. Yep. You can check that out again. It's a DCL that stands for drone champions league. And they have a YouTube channel that broadcasts all of the series races and they, they, they put them up there as well. So I think, Mike was on the. I'm trying to look it I up real it quick here. It was race three, I believe. Uh, yeah. Oh. Three from three days ago. DCL yep. 23 GP split two episode three wildcard team versus Alpha Racing. There you go. Yep. Yeah, which is kind of funny because the team that I, I was kind of on one of their like lower tier <laughs> you, teams that so they were gonna bump me up. Yeah, and I ended up you racing race them. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I felt so bad. I was like, guys, I'm so sorry, man. Did you did you race against them and beat them? Uh, no. Oh, there's some really lovely. they they have some there there's some absolutely ridiculously fast pilots yeah, on that, that team. So that would have been some salt in the old wound there. I I'm I'm consistent. That that's about all I have. <laughs> like I'm I'm quick and consistent. I'm not fast and consistent. Hey, it, it's so. what happens if you're over thirty and have a day job, then you can't sit and sim all day. No, some of these guys are actually older too. Uh, it's oh, kind of crazy. There's some really good pilots. I'm out looking there, through it. It looks like a bunch of children if you scroll through the page here. <laughs> like teenagers. Like, I don't see any. There's one dude who has facial hair. The rest of them are little kids, it looks like. Well, La- Lazy Day uh, on, on Alpha. Um, I think he's he's the same age as me or something like that. But he's got like he's got like two kids. Yeah. It's kind of crazy because he's actually a Colorado local as well. Um, and he, uh, you know, it's it's just funny because sometimes he'd be like, "Oh, I want, I want, I wish I could come race this weekend, but my kids have karate or something like that, and or soccer." And I'm like, "Oh, that sucks." Yeah, <laughs> having kids is like having its own whole whole own hobby schedule already. I got a buddy; they got kids, and they're always doing sports. So. But uh, yeah, thanks for the thanks for the shout out, Charlie. Yeah, no worries. super excited about that. <laughs> you, as you should be. Well, I think that is going to do it for this episode of RC Stuff. As always, folks, thanks for tuning in. I am Charlie Swink, as always, here with Mr. Chen, Mr. Mike Chen. That is. Yep, not Mike Chen. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>